Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. God is serious about sin. Are you serious about sin in your life? Because God is serious about sin. He's very serious about sin, and yet we play with it like it's some kind of toy. We play with it like it's something that we can control, that we can handle. And because we're young, we think that we can do it and get away with it. And you know what's really scary? is Sometimes the Lord allows us to get away with it for a while. He allows us to play with things and get away with things. But that doesn't mean He condones it. It just means that your judgment is coming. hate sin as much as the Lord does? Hi everyone and welcome to Truth in Christ Radio. Today Pastor Rob examines the seriousness of sin and the sure consequences it brings. God's warnings are always for our good because he knows the end from the beginning. And after all his warnings, God promises his blessings to those who obey. God, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, has not changed his position on sin. Rather, he set his son, Jesus, to cover them. Let's join Pastor Rob with today's study. Not just to hear it. Hearing, we can deceive ourselves and think that we're doing the will of God or doing God's work when we're hearing, but that's only half of it. The other half is actually putting feet to the word and getting out there and doing it, letting it do the work in our own hearts. If you're reading the Bible and you're not getting anything, ask yourself, am I really open to receive what it's telling me? Or am I, or am I practicing and, and writing down verses for somebody else who's in sin? <laughs> or am I looking at it saying, Lord, this is for me too. Certainly it may be for somebody else as well, but Lord, it's for me first. But he said, do this, that you may prosper in all that you do. And that's all God's heart. He wants to prosper you. Isn't it wonderful to... To, to allow God to prosper you, and he can prosper you when your heart is single toward him, when your heart is bent on obeying him and simply trusting him for what he says. In verse 10, he says, All of you stand by today before the Lord your God, your leaders and your tribes and your elders and your officers, all the men of Israel, your little ones and your wives, also the stranger who is in your camp and the one who cuts your wood to the one who draws your water, that you may enter into the covenant which the Lord your God and into his oath, which the Lord your God makes with you today, that he may establish you today as a people for himself, and that he may be God to you, just as he has spoken to you, and just as he has sworn to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. 
Notice verse 14. I make this covenant and this oath, not with just you alone, but with him who stands here with us today before the Lord our God, as well as with him who is not with us here today. So this is going to be a a covenant that's not just going to be for them. It's going to be written, of course, and it's going to be shared and perpetuated throughout all all of time. For you know that we dwelt in the land of Egypt, and that we came through the nations which you passed by, and you saw their abominations, their idols which were among them, wood and stone and silver and gold, so that they may not be so that there may not be among you man or woman or family or tribe whose heart turns away today from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of these nations, and that there may be among you a root-bearing bitterness or wormwood. And you know, it's interesting, certainly God speaking to them, but also to us today. Where's your heart? Is it, is it bitter? Do you have a root that's bearing in your heart that, that is just bringing forth bitterness? Are you just angry about things? Are you just an angry young man? Are you an angry young woman? Are you angry about things that had happened to you? That there may not be among you root, a root-bearing bitterness or wormwood. The, the word is literally a plant that is poisonous. It's a poisonous plant. You know, sometimes our mouths, the things that come out of our mouths, the, our actions, everything can be like poison. Your words can be life or they can be death. And we have to make a decision today. Am I going to allow my mouth to be seasoned with salt? Am I going to allow my life to be permeated by the word of God so that what's, what God has worked in with, into me is going to work itself out? Or am I just going to be a poisonous plant? And there are a lot of Christians who are still bearing some poisonous plants. And it's time to get out the weed killer (laughs) and let the word of God root out those things and no longer be bitter and no longer be having a, a mouth and a heart that's just poisoned. And believe me, the more you hang on to the, the things of this life and the things of the world and the TV programs that maybe you listen to or the music that you listen to, believe me, there's nothing good. You know, there was a time when even when I was real young, there was some programs on that were pretty decent. Not all of them were, but you know what? As time has gone on, there's nothing really good on television. I don't even watch television anymore. I don't listen to the, I don't even know who's hot out in the radio today. I have no idea who's, who's the up-and-coming person. And I don't care. In fact, all the music I used to listen to, I don't care about that either. What profit does it have me right now? There is no profit for me. There's no profit for you. Verse 19, and so it may not happen when he hears the words of this curse that he blesses himself in his heart, saying, I shall have peace, even though I follow the dictates of my heart. See, that's a deceived person. I'm okay, you're okay, everything's fine. No, everything isn't fine. You're a mess, and you need to come to to grips with it. Or they say, even though I follow the dictates of my heart, as though the drunkard could be included with the sober. God even himself says that they're two totally different things. The Lord would not spare him, for even the anger of the Lord and his jealousy would burn against that man, and every curse that is written in this book would settle on him, and the Lord would blot his name out from under heaven. You got to serious about sin. Are you serious about sin in your life? Because God is serious about sin. He's very serious about sin, and yet we play with it like it's some kind of toy. We play with it like it's something that we can control, that we can handle. And because we're young, we think that we can do it and get away with it. And you know what's really scary is sometimes the Lord allows us to get away with it for a while. 
He allows us to play with things and get away with things. But that doesn't mean he condones it. It just means that your judgment is coming. Now, if you're a child of God, your judgment has been paid for. But that doesn't mean that the consequence is still not going to come in your life if you don't turn from that sin. The consequence is already on its way, and it's death. It brings a lack of vitality to your own personal walk with Jesus Christ. It's like when any, anybody talks to you, instead of you being a bright light and having a great countenance, you just kind of got this fog over you, and it's just kind of gray, and everything you say is kind of looks like the way you look, and all of a sudden it's just like you, you've lost it. You've lost your salt. You've lost, your, you've lost that sweet intimacy with Jesus. But it's interesting here that he says that the Lord would blot out his name from under heaven. In Psalm 9, it says, You have rebuked the nations. You have destroyed the wicked. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. God has a way of blotting out the names of individuals. I believe that when you are born, even before you're born, there is some, in God's book of life, he writes your name. He writes your name. Even before you were born, I'll share that with you in a minute. Even before you're born, your name is written there. And until you take your last breath, then your name, if you believe in Christ, it stays in the book. If, you're, if, you, if you walk away from the Lord and never receive him, then your name gets blotted out. In Exodus chapter 17, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And you remember this situation with the golden calf. And God was getting ready to judge Israel because of the golden calf that Aaron had made. And the people began to worship. And it says in Exodus 32, beginning in verse 30, It came to pass on the next day that Moses said to the people, You have committed a great sin. So now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. And then Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, these people have committed a great sin and have made for themselves a God of gold. Yet now, notice the heart of this wonderful man. Yet now, if you will forgive their sin... If you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, blot me out of your book, which you have written. Moses had a very under, a good understanding that God had a book of life, and he was willing, like Jesus Christ, to lay down his own life for these people who were rebellious against him, who rebelled against him. And yet he's willing to give his life for these people. Forgive their sin, Lord, but if not, I pray, blot me out of your book which you have written. And the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. In Revelation chapter 3, in the church that Jesus writes to the church at Sardis, he says this, he says, you have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. And he who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Isn't it wonderful to know that your name is in the book of life? (laughs) To know that it's not going to be blotted out because of the security that we have in Jesus Christ? Only he has the ability to secure us and to keep us. That's why I love John chapter 10 when it says, There's nothing in heaven above or in earth beneath. Once you are born again, nobody can pluck you out of the Father's hand. Are you going to go through times of doubt and and struggle, and you're going to feel like jumping out of the hand? You can, but underneath is the everlasting arms. He's going to hold you even when you let go. When you feel like letting go, he's still going to hold you. He's still going to keep you. 
You're one of Christ. He's not going to give up on you. No matter what depth you go to, he is going to come after you, even as a child of God, and to bring you to repentance. And I love that about the Lord. In Revelation chapter 20, this is a really difficult uh, section. It's in verse 11. It says, I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose faith the face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw dead, the dead, small and great, stand before God. And notice, and books were opened. Books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. Notice, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. So this judgment is not going to be for believers. These are for people who have denied Christ, the white throne judgment. But do you understand? There's a book. God's going to make sure, just to be on the safe side, if anybody has, you know, if they're going to count the votes again, he can say, well, it's not here. And the books will be open of all the deeds that you've done. And I believe God can do that with a sea of people all at once, and he can give them all understanding in an instant of all the things that they have done. He can flash it before their eyes, and they're all going to fall on their face, and they will worship him. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess to the glory of God that Jesus Christ is Lord. And then they will be sent for an eternity separated from God. What a horrible way. What a horrible thing. And aren't you glad that that's not your lot? It's not my lot. Not because we don't deserve it, but because of his great love and grace. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 27, it says, But there shall be no means, and this is speaking of this, when this current heavens and this current earth are dissolved, and then a new heavens and a new earth are created, and then the the, the new Jerusalem coming out of heaven and descending, it says, but there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Aren't you glad you're written in the Lamb's book of life? What security, what grace, what security, what assurance. Is there any assurance like that? There's nothing sure in this world. There's nothing that sure. And, you know, when you even think about the how... Scholars and really smart people in universities, they're revising history. And somebody mentioned this phrase, and I thought it was really interesting. Even, even the past is not certain with some of these people. The past is something that's verifiable. It's something that's already happened. Many people have saw it, but as time goes on, they have the gall to start messing with the words and messing with the, the real history. And now we don't even know what we're getting. And that's what's happening. Aren't you glad that this is not such? This is not one of those things? I'm so glad for that. Verse 21, And the Lord would separate him from all the tribes of Israel for adversity, according to all the curses of the covenant that are written in this book. Let's go down to verse 29, because I want to get into chapter 30. I love verse 29 in this chapter. It says, The secret things, they belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may... Do all the words of this law. What a mystery. What a mystery God is. Let's get into chapter 30 because this is really interesting. Again, another very prophetic chapter because now God is going to be speaking of bringing them in after he has cast them off and cast them into a foreign land as they were certainly with Assyria in 722, certainly with Babylon, with the, the, the southern two tribes in 606 B.C., and then certainly in 70 A.D. when the Romans came. They were dispersed all over the, all over the world at that time. And verses 1 through 6, 
speak perhaps of three different fulfillments of Israel returning to the land and God's new covenant with them, certainly looking forward all the way into the, into the millennial reign of Christ, even yet future to us. Because when we read about this prophecy that we're going to read tonight, you have to understand that for, every, uh, for some prophecies, there's more than one fulfillment to it. There can be a prophecy, and then there can be fulfillments, and then finally an ultimate final fulfillment of that prophecy. For instance, we know that Antiochus Epiphanes sacrificed a, a, a pig the, on the altar in the temple, and some thought that that was the abomination that makes desolate that Daniel talked about. But Jesus said, no, that's not the one. There's one coming yet. And so the prophecy of Daniel, kind of the, the thing that happened with Antiochus Epiphanes was sort of like a foreshadowing of ultimately what's going to happen in the future with the Antichrist. Did you see this, this uh, article? I, I, I'm just thinking this off the top of my head here. There was an article I saw yesterday that in Japan they've got this new idol, and it's, made a, it's a robot, and they're making this thing Buddha because it will attract the younger generation, and this thing is going to speak and, and all of this thing. And it, it's an article. I've got it on my iPad. And um, you can look at it, you know, you can search for it. It's relatively recent. And they're so excited about this, this image in their temple. And can you see the, the, the stage is being set? I mean, people are, young people who are, they never heard the name of Christ. And now they're going to be seeing this and thinking, wow, it looks like a robot and it can talk. And wow, the technology is really great. And wow, it's speaking some really wise words. And then next thing you know, you've got people gathering underneath that. And, and then they're fawning over this thing. And then, you know, who knows what the devil can do. But it's coming. It's foreshadowing what's coming ahead. It's coming. It's coming. And thank God you and I aren't going to be here when it does happen. And pray that your family isn't either. That's why the love of God ought to constrain us to tell people the truth now. Because when we are removed from this earth, let me tell you, it's going to be a wicked time. You think things are wicked now? It's going to get much, much, much worse. Without the influence of the Spirit of God in the church, when that's removed, the floodgate is going to come in like a sewer of filth. There'll be nothing restraining it. Do you understand that? Nothing will restrain it at all. It will come in like a flood. Chapter 30. So, as we look at these verses, it says, Now it shall come to pass, when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I set before you, and you call them to mind among all the nations, notice where the Lord your God drives you. He's telling them that it's coming. You're going to be going into captivity. But when you get there, you're going to call to mind. You're going to remember these things. Verse 2, and, and you return to the Lord when you're in the land and you're, you're, you're facing these things. And when you return to the Lord your God and obey his voice according to all that I command you today, you and your children, notice, with all of your heart and with all of your soul. All of your heart and all of your soul. It ought to remind us of Deuteronomy chapter 6. We don't have time to go there, but just read. It's the Shema. Actually, I'll just read the one verse. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Hear means, hear, O Israel. That, the word hear is Shema. That's why Shema Israel. There's a, there's a church in Rochester, Shema Israel. The word means hear, but it's not just hearing. It's hearing with the intention of doing something about what you hear. That's the meaning of that word. You hear with the intention of doing it. That's why God would use that word. But notice in verse 3, that the Lord your God will bring you back from captivity. Wait a minute, we haven't even gone into captivity. What are you talking about captivity for? Lord, what did we do wrong? We haven't done anything wrong. Well, we have done some things wrong. Ah, but the Lord says you got rebellion in your heart, 
and ultimately you're going to be led captive. So when God, God says, I will bring you back from captivity, and I'll have compassion on you, and I'll gather you again from the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. What? Now what could this mean? We know that this happened literally after the return from Babylon under Cyrus's decree. Remember, they were allowed to come back into the land. They rebuilt the temple, the city, and the walls. So they came back from captivity. That certainly could be speaking of this because you know we're in Deuteronomy now. Hundreds of years are going to take are going to happen before they go into captivity. It could be that. It could be when they return to their land after being dispersed for nearly 2,000 years. May 14, 1948, when Israel became a nation after being scattered in the diaspora all over the world. And then now, on May 14, 1948, they all come in and they become a nation. It could be speaking of that. Or it could be speaking of the ultimate fulfillment, which we know is going to happen in the millennial reign of Christ, when Jews and Gentiles, the church, we will be together serving Christ together, the church, Jew and Gentile. It could be referring to that, because in verse 4 it says, If any of you are driven out to the farthest parts under heaven, from where the Lord your God will gather you, and from there he will bring you, and then the Lord your God will bring you back to the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it. He shall prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. And Israel today is prospering like nobody's business. They've been prospering ever since 1948. In fact, their enemies hate it. Because when, the last couple times I've been to Israel, I've noticed it getting greener and greener. Wherever we go on the bus, this used to be a barren wasteland. Now it's full of palm trees. It's full of date, date palms. It's full of mangoes. And they're growing you know, cherries. And they're growing all kinds of things. They, they, they have more fruit than anybody else. They, they export fruit to other people. Huge exporter of fruit. God is blessing the land again. It's blossoming They're in the land, and I'll multiply you. And the Lord, verse 6, your God, he will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul again. Why? The purpose that you may live, that you may live. And this is speaking, we believe, of when God is going to create, he's going to share with them a new covenant. In fact, in Jeremiah chapter 31, you know, when it says here in verse 6, it says, The Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of his descendants to love the Lord your God. This could very well be this new covenant that God is going to make with Israel in that day. In Jerusalem, I'm sorry, in Jeremiah chapter 31, Jeremiah speaks of that day yet coming. He says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them out of the uh, by the hand and led them out of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I'll make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. Notice, I'll put my heart or my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And also in Ezekiel 36, beginning in verse 26, it says, I will give you a new heart, God says. And remember, Ezekiel is a, is a contemporary of Jeremiah. They were both alive at the time of the Babylonian captivity. Jeremiah stayed back in Jerusalem, and Ezekiel went with the captives in Babylon. And now Ezekiel is saying the same thing by the Spirit of God. I will give you a new heart. He's encouraging these captives as they're waiting there, being 70 years in captivity. And he says, 
Tell the people, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgments, notice, and do them. And then you shall dwell in the land, notice, that I gave to your fathers. And you shall be my people and I will be your God. I will be your God. Turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 36. We're going to read a good chunk of Scripture tonight because it's really good. (laughs) It's really good. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.